As I was saying, we are finishing up for, we've got tonight and next Wednesday, the Life of David series. So if you've been with us from the beginning of January is when we started this, all the way to next week we studied the Life of David, and his story is found in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. That is David's, he, he dominates those two books, um, his life. And so we're going to be looking at this chapter. As we get closer to the end of 2 Samuel, there's not as many, like, awesome, like, epic stories. David's kind of winding down. He's getting old. There's a few more battles he does as, like, an old guy. That's pretty awesome, being David, like, an old warrior, and he's fighting battles, and he realizes, uh, I got to stay home and and rest because I can't be doing this no longer. But he's still cutting people's heads off. It's crazy. I mean, he cut Goliath's head off when he was about 17. How awesome is that? Any 17-year-olds in here? Yeah, that's you, cutting off a giant's head. It's amazing. And he lifted it up. How heavy is that head? Lifted it up. Goliath was over nine feet tall, and he says, yeah, take that, Philistines. Anyway, um, and now he's like in his 70s, and he's like, (laughs) still awesome. If you read chapter 23, so we're not going to read chapter 23, but if you read it as your homework, please do, because it talks about David's like mighty men. He's got 30 of them. And there, were, there was this group called the Three. The Three. It was like the best of the best of David's three mightiest men. And it says their names. I'm not going to repeat them because they're really hard to name. Um, but it, it actually talks about their battles and their victories and what they did. One guy, it says that he chased a lion in a den uh, in a pit when it was snowy. And he killed him with his bare hands. It's amazing. I don't know. And then just, it recorded this. He chased a lion. Come here, Simba. Kills him. <laughs> I'm not Simba Scar, sorry. Um, I mean, this is amazing. I, I'm getting off topic, but if you keep reading 2 Samuel, it's amazing. Chapter 23, I'm going to read this, verse 21. It says here, uh, once armed with only a club, this guy killed and imposed an Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. The guy took, his own, took the Egyptian spear and killed him with his own spear. So all he had was a club, drops the club, Yanks the spear out and just, okay. Uh, uh, These are uh, are epic movies that Hollywood needs to make. Um, But anyway, read David's Mighty Men, and then he realizes, I need to get home and just rest and eat food and die. Okay. So that's David. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But before David actually does pass away, we have here in 2 Samuel 22 a record of one of David's um, songs or psalms that he would write all about God and how he delivered David. It's a, it's a psalm about deliverance. If you write down in notes, if you're taking notes, this also appears in Psalm chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18 and 2 Samuel 22 is pretty much the exact same thing. Um, most likely, scholars believe that David wrote this at the beginning of his life when he was becoming king at a young age. So he's probably in his 20s, almost 30, when he's writing this. Um, so this doesn't really go chronological. In, in your, your Bibles for Second Samuel. And so when he's writing this, he's, he's beginning his life as king. Um, so it's pretty awesome. But let, let's read verses 1. I'm just going to read till verse 7. And then we're going to dive in, and then I've got seven things I want to look at that David mentions about God and who he is. Read with me chapter 22, verse 1. David sang this song, to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He's saying this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. 
My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Let's, let's pause there and pray. Father, we thank you so much for your, this, this time that we come to worship you with singing. Now, Lord, we worship you through the reading of your word. We pray that you are glorified. God, I pray that we are edified and encouraged as we read your word. Your word never returns void. So we thank you for that. It, it is going to speak to us into our hearts and into our minds. So open those that we may hear you tonight. And I pray that we would encourage one another with our small groups. And God, we thank you so much um, that your spirit is a spirit of, of love and of sound mind. It's not a spirit of fear. So God, help us not to be afraid of whatever is going on in our world, whatever is going on in our individual lives. Help us to trust in you, that you are good and you are still in control. We love you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, raise a hand. Who has actually been to Disney World? Who's been to Disney World? Keep your hands high. Okay. Disneyland? Disneyland as well? Nice. Okay. Um, who has not been to either of these? You are holy. No. <laughs> um, honestly, I haven't been to Disney since I was like 10, so it's been a long time, and I went to Universal Studios as well. It's amazing. Now listen up, those of you that raised your hands, that you've been to Disneyland, Disney World, shh, wouldn't it be awesome if we could all just live there for free? Seriously, now listen, listen, everybody's a Christian, we all going to get along, we're living in harmony with one another, Star Wars, Toy Story, everywhere that you love, you're hugging, you're hugging uh, Buzz, I don't know, I was trying to think of somebody, you're hugging Mulan. Mulan comes and she's like, I'm a warrior princess. All right. You've got Disney World. Wouldn't it be great to live there? And people, honestly, the, 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 one of the number one reasons people go to Disney World is, do you know why? The reason, one of the top reasons, not the top, one of the top reasons people go to Disney World is, I'll, I'll give you the answer, Shh, is they go to get rid of their problems. They go to just find, I'm serious. I'm very serious. Shh. I know we laugh at that. But people go to Disney World, Disneyland. Why? To just get happiness in their life, to have stress-free time and just enjoy. And also, so that I can be a kid again. That's what people say, honestly. Now, Disney World, I'm, trying, I'm bringing this all in to, to our Bible passage. Disney World may help us with our problems for a while, but it's never going to solve them. Amen? Right? Disney World is not going to save you, okay? You understand that, right? Disney World will not save you from your problems. God had already said, hey, we need to not be searching the magic kingdom. I've already got my kingdom, and it's here on earth, and you and I need to spread it. Amen? Okay? So this is not to, like, bash Disney World. I'm trying to make a point. Our, our problems, we're, we're trying to find this satisfaction, this happiness in not just American culture, but in... In our world, we're trying to find this peace, this happiness, this joy, and it's only found in one person, one person alone, and that's Jesus Christ. And so, 
I use Disney World as an analogy because one of the top reasons people go there is to get away from their problems. You might get away for a little bit, but it will, it'll never solve it. God, the Lord our God, is going to solve your problems in your life, maybe not in your timing, but he will come to fruition in solving our problems. His kingdom offers us hope for a real world. That's his kingdom. So this song that David writes, again, this is a psalm, and it's a song he writes. So if we were to sing this, I wonder what you know, the melody or the harmony it would be, but David writes this as a song. It's a poem. And when he writes this, he's offering thanksgiving to God because God has delivered him from all his enemies and from Saul, his main enemy. I mean, that's in verse 1 of chapter 22. And he thanks God for his deliverance, even though it took David 13 to 20 years of actually being free from really all his enemies. you got to think about our timeline in your life and in my life. Things are not going to happen instantly the way we like it. it. It may take time, most likely years. But God will always answer our call, and he answers it in three ways. Yes, no, not yet. That's the way God answers our call. But we're going to look at the glimpse of God's character. So I've entitled this story, this, this teaching, The Lord My God, because in, in the life of David, we're going to kind of take a break and not really talk about something that David did, but it's something that he wrote about concerning God. And we're going to look at the character of God. If you read the rest of Psalm, I'm sorry, uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel 22, you're going to see the character of God just flash before your eyes, pop out, and like you're realizing God, God is so good. Even though David had so many issues and problems, God is working through and through, and David never complained. He thanked God for everything that he actually went through. So we're going to look at, we're going to look at seven things. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, if you're taking notes, we're going to write down seven things of the Lord my God. Make it personal. The Lord my God does these seven things, and then in your small groups, you're going to discuss each of these seven things. So number one, the Lord my God is from verse 2 to 4, my only security. Now, we read that part. Look at verse 2 again. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. Verse 3, my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me. Isn't that interesting? That salvation is actually, it's powerful to save us. And he is my refuge and my savior, the one who saves me from violence. So God is, is, should only be the security that you find peace and rest in and that you can trust in. If you're finding security in a relationship, if you're dating right now, that's fine, but please do not make that boy or girl your security. <laughs> like, I need you to live. No, you don't. You, 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 you really don't. My only security is not found in my wife, and it's not found in my parents. It's not found in anyone else except for Jesus. And I had to make that decision a long time ago, that, that Jesus has to be my true protection and security and who I find my hope and rest in. He has to be the one that we cling to in all of that. Because look, David makes it personal. God is a rock, a fortress, a savior, a shield, a refuge. And when he calls on the Lord, he is worthy of praise because he saves him. Now, David is living in the Old Testament. He's looking forward to Jesus Christ the promised anointed one that would come, the Messiah. 
and now Jesus in the New Testament fulfills everything from the Old Testament, and now we are no longer safe from our enemies physically. We are safe from the enemy spiritually. It's called sin, and Jesus Christ now can save us by the cross. He has saved us now, spiritually speaking, from sin and ultimately death, which will come for all of us. So God has to be your only security. You guys are going to talk about that later in your small group. Number two, the Lord my God responds to my call every time. He will respond to your call. Verses 5 through 7, let me read it real quick. He talked about the waves of death overwhelmed me. This is poetry that David's crying out. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave, it's really in the Hebrew term, it's really talking about hell. Hell has wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help, and he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. God is always listening to your prayers. He's never far away, and he's going to respond. But his response cannot dictate the way you think of God. Does that make sense? God is going to respond in those three ways. Yes, I'll do this now. No, I'm not going to do that. Or not yet. You need to wait. And don't let that, if the not wait comes or the no comes, don't let that dictate your, your sense of who God is and be like, well, God's just a killjoy or he doesn't really answer prayer. God does answer prayer. He hears every single prayer that everyone has ever prayed and will pray. Think about that. God is receiving the prayers of the saints at the same time. I mean, that just kind of blows my mind to think about that. We can't really comprehend that. But he will respond when you call out to him. David was thanking God that he saved him from his enemies. He cried out in distress. You know, David was a guy just like all of us. He was an individual that went through so much stress. I believe David suffered through depression. I believe David had some anxiety issues that he just had to deal with and wrapped his mind around, and God had to be his rock and his foundation in times of trouble. David was on the run for his life at times, and yet he was one of the most powerful people in all of ancient Israel at that time and parts of the world. So David's life was up and down. That's why I love him. That's why I love him as a character in, in, in Scripture that can point us to Jesus ultimately. But he was a person just like you and me. He wasn't perfect. So he's crying out in his psalm, asking God to give him strength and to respond to his call. Number three, the Lord my God actually delights in me. I love this verse. Let's look at verse 20. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. I love that. You have to know right now in your mind, and if it hasn't gone to your heart yet, I hope it does. But you may think, well, God delights in me, but you actually know that in your heart. God actually is pleased with you. Now, he doesn't like our sin. Why? Because that separates us from him. So he hates the sin, and he wants us to repent, but he delights in you as an individual. Why? Because you're made in his image, and he formed you in your mother's womb for a plan and a purpose in life. Some of us have wasted that, maybe wasted many years. Some of us have pursued that and have, have obeyed God's calling. But nonetheless, God still delights in you and in me. Not just as a church, but individually. God actually takes notice of you. Whether you think my parents don't care about me, 
Some of you are like, I don't care about that. My parents don't care about me. My siblings don't care about me. Some of my friends don't even care about me. Do they even notice me? Do they even know what's going on in my life? Well, God does. Have you ever talked to him about it? He delights in you. And look what David says in verse 20. He rescued me because he delights in me. God rescued David because he loved David so much. It's nothing that David ever did or said. It's just because he loved him and he loves you so much. I hope you realize that. If you don't ever study the rest of the Bible, you know, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, you just need to remember those promises from the Lord that he delights in you, he loves you, he's got a plan for you. Just dwell on those. Dwell on those. Number four, the Lord my God rewards righteousness, obedience, and humility. What do I mean by that? Go to verse 21. I'm going to read a little bit of it. It says here, The Lord rewarded me for doing right. Go to verse 23. I have followed all his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. Verse 25. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. And then jump to verse 28. You rescue the humble, but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them. So in that passage of a few verses, what David took notice of from God is that he rewards those who practice righteousness. Righteousness, you have to practice at it. He rewards those who are obedient. Obedience, you have to practice at it. And he rewards those who are humble. And humility, you've got to practice on it. I've got to practice humility. Those things, those three characteristics of God, he wants for you and me. And he rewards those. He delights in those. He honors you and I if we practice righteousness, if we listen to obedience, and if we humble ourselves. In your small groups, you're going to talk a little little bit more about that with some Bible verses. I'm going to keep moving on. Number five, the Lord my God is my only light, capital L, in a dark world. God should be the only light and is the only, really, source of light in a dark world. Verse 29 says here, O Lord, you are my lamp, makes it personal. The Lord lights up my darkness. I don't know about you, but I think all of us, either right now or in the past, we've gone through some pretty dark times. We've gone through some lows. We've gone through some valleys. And it just seems like, is anyone else caring? Does anyone else know? Going through a spiritually dark time right now. You have to remember that God will break away every source of darkness all the time just by when you call on his name. He will respond to that. And he has to be the source, the only source of light in this dark world. And our, and our, our world is crazy right now. And this world is dark spiritually. It's, it's evil. It's wicked. And Satan is, is smart at this. He knows how to capture our thoughts. He knows how to tempt us. You know, Satan is not dumb. <laughs> We think that we can outwit him. We think that we can stand above our temptation by ourselves. We can't without the Holy Spirit. So God in, in our, dark, our darkness and in a dark world has to be the light. What did Jesus say? I'm the light of the world. And then we reflect him. He says, you are the, now the light of the world. We as Christians also have to be a reflection of Jesus and to be light in this dark world. Because if we're not, the world's not going to see anything. The world's just getting darker and darker, and everyone's getting lost. 
but Jesus is that source of light. And David recognized that. You are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. He, he personalized even the dark times that David went through. God, you are my source of light. And you shine forth so that I can walk in you. So the Lord is our only light in our darkness. Number six, I love this one. The Lord my God keeps his promises. Verse 31, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. God's way is perfect and all the Lord's promises prove true. God would not make promises he can't keep. And when God makes a promise, he will keep it. And there are many promises that were fulfilled in the Old Testament through Jesus Christ. And now Jesus has a few more promises that he has to fulfill later down the road. One of them being his second coming. That will happen. He promised it and it will happen. But God keeps his promises. If you're putting your faith and trust in your friends, siblings, peers, they're, they're only going to fail you. Now, yeah, we have to have accountability. We have to have that brother and sister in Christ that we can go to and, and to have accountability and to encourage one another. But the promises of God will never fail you and I. And for us, we have to, this, could, this should be a reminder for us that if we make a promise, we better keep it as well. But God will always keep his promises. That's something David saw in his God. Number seven, and finally, the Lord my God strengthens me. The Lord my God strengthens me. I'm just going to read a few verses from this. Verse 31. I'm sorry, verse 32. God, uh, sorry, verse 33. God is my strong fortress, and he makes my way perfect. Verse 36. You've given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. And verse 40. You have armed me with strength for the battle. Now in this time, David is talking about a physical battle. He would have many battles. David would also have his spiritual battles that he would have to fight. But most importantly for us, we're probably not going to have a physical battle that we're going to have to go through. Hopefully not. But this mainly has to do with the spiritual aspect. God is going to strengthen you through your spiritual battles that you and I are going to go through. And they will come. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us how to combat them and how to be ready for any spiritual battle that comes our way. I want to close with this real quick. And you're going to look at these seven things with your leaders but here's one thing that we can be reminded of. God has the strength to deliver me from any problem. And sometimes he does. But he doesn't promise to take away every problem. Rather, he promises to walk with me through them. I love that. I read that from a book and I wanted to write that down. It was an awesome quote. That God has the strength. He has the strength and the power to deliver any of us. And he sometimes will. Whatever you're going through but he doesn't make promises to always take away the problems. Rather, he says, I'm just going to walk with you through them. That's why Jesus said, what did he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to walk with us. That's the promise. But if we keep asking God, take away this, this storm or this problem, God says, no, I want you to go through the problem and I'm going to walk with you. So David saw this as, as God delivering him from his problems. People in our day and our, our society and our culture are going to look for other means to fix their problems. The only person that's going to do that is Jesus Christ. Amen? And I hope you know him as well as David did. I hope you make an important decision even to tonight that I'm going to follow God because he's the only one that's going to keep his promises, who loves me enough, that notices me, delights in me, and cares about me. So let me pray and then we're going to split up into our groups. We've got a good amount of time. 
Father, we do come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We just want to pause in the life of David and studying him, how he was a man after your own heart. Help us to be men and women that are after your heart, God. And in this, we just want to take a time to pause, to reflect in the Psalms. Whenever a writer would want to pause and reflect, they would use the word selah. just means to reflect and to meditate on that. So, Lord, we want to just take this time now in our, our walk with you and just meditate on your word. We thank you for 2 Samuel chapter 22, that it's just a reflection on who you are, the character of you, that you are not an evil dictator, you are a loving father that we all long to have a relationship with. We just have to humble ourselves. So God, go before us now in our small groups. I pray that we are equipped and encouraged. We don't waste time. And we just honor you in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.